Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace, and they're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie's helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. My latest project, tree trimming for our phone lines into the radio show. I mean, any home improvement you need, Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The app and the website is free to use. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. the last happy hour of uh, 2023. I mean, and what a duo. Former uh, uh, National Security Mike Pence advisor, yep. Olivia Troy, yes. and legal lady Barb McQuaid. I mean, come on. It's a, lot of, fireworks. a lot of bombshells, a lot of salty maga tears to drink uh-huh. between the, uh, the Michigan bombshell with the Trump on, on tape. <laughs> Pressuring fucking on tape again pressuring uh, uh, them not to certify the election there. And then Olivia Toy, of course, talking about the missing Russian binder. Something yes. tells me that if uh, Trump becomes president again, mm-hmm. he's going to outlaw tape. Yes, yes. So, Lordy, there will be no tapes. <laughs> yeah. So enjoy this happy hour <laughs> and drink up your salty maggot tears. <laughs> OMG, I am so excited about our new sponsor, Cook Unity. These are ready-cooked meals. You want to know my first six? Grilled mahi-mahi with oyster mushrooms and steamed rice. <gasps> Vegan rigatoni pesto. Four cheese ravioli with cherry tomatoes and spinach. Hang on. Climate-friendly chickpea and quinoa bowl. Classic salad nichois. Lemon-baked tilapia. I don't have time to cook. These, you just pop them in the microwave. Bam, you're done. Go to cookunity.com liberal. You will not believe the quality and the, the, the quantity of different uh, choices that you have. Whatever you need. Vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free. Free, whatever you love, they have a delicious dish. Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award winning chefs right to your door every week. And it's cheaper than other delivery options. So delicious and no cooking required. I love that on work nights for me. Go to cookunity.com slash liberal or enter the code liberal before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code liberal or going to cookunity.com slash liberal. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Wow, this is exciting. I was looking at the TV yesterday, yep. and our friend Olivia Troy was there, and I was like, get, get me Olivia Troy, and here she is. Good morning, Olivia. Thanks so much for coming back. 
<laughs> Good morning. Thanks I, for having me. You know, I got to say, I'm, so I'm reading your title because I'd forgotten exactly. Former White House uh, VP Pence, uh, you were Homeland Security uh, Advisor, Career National Security Intel Exec Director. Because I wondered, Olivia, why is everyone's hair not on fire about this missing Russian intel, right? And and that Senate Republicans have known this for two years. Can you give us your first reaction? I mean, it should. They should be. They should be out there furious. They should be taking this very seriously. Um, like for years, what we heard about Hillary's emails. I was in the national security community. There was concern about that, but this is exponentially yeah, yeah, so much worse. Yeah. Right. So I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting that they have kept this very silent and this is a big freaking deal. I mean, this is raw intelligence in that binder, not finished intelligence, Mm -hmm. uh, raw intelligence. And the difference between that is that it's, it's directly operational in its nature, which means that it sort of shows how we went about things, shows how we collected things. It could have names of people in there. Mm -hmm. It could have foreign partners operations in partnership with us or what foreign partners were doing that were involved in this. I mean, it puts so many things at risk, Stephanie, including like, especially lives, American lives, people who sacrifice their careers. That's who has a target in their head now. And we have no idea. Honestly, I would love an explanation and an investigation to know whether any of these assets that were involved in these operations, whether they're still alive, Mm -hmm. whether they have been targeted. We don't know where this binder ended up. Was it in Mark Meadows' fireplaces? Did it go into well, ashes? That's the other thing. We did know it Mark go Meadows, to you're exactly Where did right. It go? Olivia, you're right. We know that he burned things. And, you know, so now yeah. both Donald Trump and Cassidy Hutchinson have confirmed that he had it. So, you know, we're Frank Flaguzzi's coming up in a little bit here. Olivia, but do you have an idea? You know, why why isn't there a search warrant, you know, for, for Mark Meadows, is this part of Jack Smith's classified documents, or should this be a separate investigation? What's what's your take on that? I mean, to me, this is so egregious. Uh, and look, if I had done anything like that, or if I had used a classified documents as a Kindle for the fireplace, yeah. I would be in jail. Right? Yeah. There's yeah. a number of agents that would be at my door, knocking at my door. There would be no questions asked. They would give me the time to respond and explain myself behind bars probably months or years later they wouldn't even i I wouldn't get a pass yeah right (laughs) yeah so i mean we 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 should be tracking this we should be figuring it out honestly when i read the detailed story uh that ran on this whole thing i have to say that i was appalled at what was the rest of the staff that was watching this doing where is robert o'brien in this where's the national security advisor under trump because the reason i say that is because all of these people could potentially be back in the White House, should Donald Trump get elected, and all of these people, yeah, must have been aware that this raw intelligence was, you know, kind of being copied in the White House, being distributed when Privacy Act issues were flagged, even by the own White House lawyers along the way, where a right-wing journalist was being given the binder, even though they felt that not enough had been redacted from it, and now you actually have the most critical piece of it—the raw intelligence that's gone MIA. I mean, so, Olivia, you've had big time uh, responsible jobs. I tell fart jokes in my basement. So let me <laughs> ask with that because I know you need to be responsible. Fart jokes are funny. Thank you. Thanks very much. And we discussed before you came on whether we're all going to end up in the same camp if Trump gets reelected. I think he's coming after you first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
please send me uh, care packages. Yes, or, absolutely. I like we'll get to all the stragglers Put later. Put money in the commissary. Yeah, to the people that yeah. had important jobs were yeah. taken care of. I, I don't know how Mike Pence is going to feel sharing the cell with me. That's going to be a little awkward. For <laughs> involved, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, Olivia, do you get to the point where you don't know what's distracting from what? Because as you were saying before we went on here, this should be the only story. But, you know, then Trump quoted Hitler directly several more times. You know, I, I, speaking of Mike Pence, the people that tried to hang yeah. Mike Pence, he called them hostages. Mm-hmm. While we still have actual Americans that are actual hostages likely being tortured by Hamas right now, he called the January 6th. That's awful. Okay. Go ahead. So I, that's what I mean. But is this for people like you and I to talk about this now instead of the fact that there's a missing? Right. Yeah. Well, I also think it's just um, it's an over over information. Right. We're like saturated with all of this coming at us every day. But like it's just like it was during the Trump administration. Every day was an insane headline that would shock people. And then the next day there would be an even more insane headline. And it's just sort of when you look back on it, that's why I'm constantly reminding people of what it was, what happened, and why it should never happen again, and why it's worrisome that he's the front runner for the GOP nom. And people are like, we don't want to talk about Trump. He'll get convicted. No, it's important because Americans have a short-term memory, and we've forgotten that everything that Donald Trump is saying in his rallies right now is all connected to things that he was either acting as or doing when he was already president, and he's going to double down on going forward, right? I mean, he also, it was horrific and uh, anti-immigrant rhetoric this weekend, like the things that he was saying. He yeah. also praised Putin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I know he's your best friend. Did you give him the binder? Inquiring minds want to know. Like, well, did he get the binder? Did yeah. he get just I mean, give it to our, your buddy? Yeah. Because our Rude Pundit said, we all know he sold it to Russia. We know that's where this all ends. I mean, it, is that shoe going to drop, Olivia? I mean, I, I don't know why you'd have to sell it. I'm sure he could just give it to Putin. But if you want this to be disappeared forever, right, you either give it to Mark Meadows to burn in the fireplace or you give it to Putin. I mean, it just, it kind of all makes sense, doesn't it? That if, if this says oh, what he wanted it to say, he would have released this. Right. Clearly the fact that he's going right. to extraordinary lengths to hide it means it says exactly what we've all known is he's a traitor to the United States and always has been. W- what do you think? About, yeah, and you uh, know, and it, it, it actually, it impacts all of us because it impacts national security and whether his supporters like it or not, it does impact your lives. And when you have, you know, American service members and military members, intelligence officers, law enforcement and the FBI, we all get deployed, we go overseas. It impacts the family that lives next to you in a way that you probably don't understand. Yeah. And and it potentially does, right? And it puts lives at risk. And it also puts our general national security posture at risk. It also yeah. weakens us in the eyes of the international community. Can you imagine? Yeah. Anyone sharing intelligence with us ever? Yeah. I mean, they're they're sitting there going, okay, so we work closely with you in counterterrorism. We work on extremism and all these things. And now you're telling us that you can't even safeguard traditionally like very, very sensitive information. And it just sort of walks out of your oval office or your White House. Yeah. So that's what we've told the world now. Well, exactly. And as you know, in your role, I mean, in Homeland Security, I, I, I think you alluded to this, but Andrea Yonker said, I know there's a lot going on, but an unusually high number of CIA agents were killed, captured, or compromised after yes. Trump stole classified and top secret documents about them. Uh, just thought I should remind everyone of that. I, I mean, it, like yeah. you say, it's not just the intelligence, it's sources and methods, right? And in some cases, people. Right. 
yeah, it's people and it, it's also, uh, it probably took us years to set up these operations. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I can't tell you how incredibly dangerous it would be if a foreign adversary or someone else got their hands on it. We have no idea. I have no idea who all saw that binder at this point, right? We have no idea whose hands, who it got, who carried it, who transported it, who transported it to Mark Meadows' house. Was it himself? Was it in the van for two hours while he went to dinner right. and then left it in there? I mean, this is just, it's crazy. And I tell you this because when I was reading this type of stuff, yeah. I had to go into a safe within a safe to read it, sign my name to say they would document that I had read whatever it was that I read, date, time, and then sign out yeah. that I'd returned it, put it back in the vault, they take it away. I mean, that is how we control this type of intelligence. So yeah. to think that and then it was you had to take a silkwood in shower. Safe, out of safe. Like Karen Silkwood, right? right? You had to take a silkwood shower like Meryl Streep and then God. Okay. <laughs> I don't know national security, Chris. I, that's why I'm asking. I'm surprised you got that reference. Like, no. so old. It's she an old reference. Way too young to understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I remember that, but I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, Henry Rosenberg tweeted, it's time for people to stop downplaying the classified documents case against Trump. It wasn't simply a matter of him having the documents he was not entitled to, but why did he have them and what was he doing with them? This is a five-alarm national security fire. Do you Agreed. think or and, hope and Jack Smith is on too, right? this? Olivia, yeah. sorry, go uh, ahead. Yeah, I do. I mean, look, it was also, it's also the obstruction. The obstruction, right. the unwillingness to cooperate, they had to go down and get them. I mean, they asked for these documents repeatedly. They were asking about it. All of these other people played a role in this. I'm really curious to see the role of Cash Patel in all this. Yes. Do, do you uh, think? You know, do you think Donald? Yeah. Do you think Jack Smith knows what he? You know what he did with them? Why he took them and what he did with them? Oh, I mean. Who knows, right? I think that's a question in everyone's minds. Like, why would you take that other than you were scared at what it actually said and the truth about what was really happening? And I say that because, look, there's a history here. Any time that anyone spoke the truth about Russia, what they were trying to do in our elections, they got fired. Yeah. Right. A former boss of mine, a former longtime mentor of mine who was the head of the director of national intelligence, who's acting head, he got fired for the fact that he said, look, I'm going to stand by in my employee, which he testified was correct. We are concerned about Russia. Well, and he ironically, reality winner went to jail yeah. for one document. And guess what that document was about? <laughs> We're trying to warn the country that t- t- Trump had, you know, colluded right. with Russia to get to, to get installed. I mean, I let me let me throw one other at you. Palmer report said the real question is why the U.S. intel community, after spending two plus years secretly pursuing this classified Trump Russia binder, is now tipping off the media about it. It feels like this leak is a prelude to something or another shoe is about to drop. What's your take on that? You know, great question. I mean, I'm surprised that they briefed the Senate and this didn't get out uh, because, right. look, if it would have been anything related to a Democrat pretty sure the Republicans would have leaked it immediately. Yeah. But it was obviously very egregious, right? They would have been crying wolf about this, like right as a hearing happened, probably they would have leaked it. So the question is, what is really happening here? Is there some more that's going to surface along the way? But it's hard to know, right? And a lot of it though, for the intel community, I mean, this isn't, uh, this is very sensitive and there's probably a lot of concern about what was in the binder there i mean i'm telling you there's been some sleepless nights i'm sure for the past couple of years on how this happened i'm sure that gina haspel and all these other people are probably just completely beside themselves because also just it's the fact that it was 
someone in the presidency, the president's chief of staff, all of these people at the highest levels of power. And this is how, once again, they're mishandling classified information, right? I mean, forget about the classified documents I found in the women's room when I was working there. Like, I cannot believe wow. that wow. this is now where we are with the full binder yeah. went out. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Cash Patel, and I just blanked it out of my brain because those crazy eyes were staring at me. But what what do you think his yeah. involvement is? Imagine me sitting in meetings with him while oh. he was running counterterrorism. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And you can never tell he which... He could be the next director of the FBI, by the way. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Or and the that's CIA. horrifying. That is what is horrifying. Yes. Now, is it just one eye that's a little bit oh, crazy? Oh, Stephanie, stop it. Stephanie Louise Miller. I, if she's in a meeting, she's not even sure who he's looking at, I'm guessing. Are both crazy eyes looking at... Okay. Funny. Olivia, um, <laughs> our, one last one from Rude Pundit. There's something fundamentally broken about a country that cannot stop someone like Donald Trump from running or becoming president. I, I feel like we just... I, the media's not prepared for this. <laughs> Maybe the founders never envisioned this. But in your role as, you know, with Homeland Security, what do we do about this, even going forward? Look, it's certainly concerning. I think it speaks to his ability to really galvanize people by trying to get to their grievances, right? He's an expert at that. He fans the flames. He fans the worst of the extremes on the right. And he makes these people feel like they have a home in him. I think the only thing that gives me hope is that I, I really hope that despite, however, you know, center right people, moderates, people in the middle who are, you know, are concerned about the two candidates potentially that are coming up in 2024. Yeah. I hope that when you look at, at, at Biden, who is a rational human being, and you look at Donald Trump, including like in the history of how he has behaved towards women what he's done along the way, yeah. the traitor is like, you know, mishandling a classified. And we could go on and on and well, on. This, which brings me to the tough love uh, section him. of the interview before you leave. Are you still a Republican, yeah. Olivia? I mean, I call myself a recovery Republican. I, I almost feel now that, yeah, I'm still going to meetings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Therapy is going to last for a really long time. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, an I'm ex- sort of like... I'm an ex-Republican girl gone wild. As you know, my dad ran with uh, Goldwater. But I just, I honestly, as a woman, I'm curious about women like you and Cassidy Hutchinson who have been brave and spoken out about what you saw. But I, I, for the life of me, can't imagine not just Roe, but everything, why any woman would want to be a Republican today. Can you speak to that a little? You know, I think, I mean, okay, you know this because you were raised at a Republican household. Uh, it's it's just sort of like the identity is embedded and you have been raised with these conservative traditional values. But I think at this point, we got to take a step back and be like, it, this isn't conservative traditional values. This is on a whole different level, right? This party stands for everything like against what a loving Christian family, accepting Christian family Thank would you. stand for, right? And what happened to being... Uh, compassionate towards immigrants, taking people into your home. Yeah. What happened to that party? Also, I've got to say, like, I really actually in my heart believe that there are a lot of conservative women out there who are scared and horrified about what they're leaving behind as a legacy for mm-hmm. the next generation of women as they watch what's happening in Texas yeah. uh, to that woman um, with, her, with women's rights. And while I think that you know, conservative-leaning women, while they may be, it, the, the topic of abortion and pro-choice and pro-life in those terms, like, I think is 
very sensitive to them and they're more private about it. Yeah. I'm talking to a lot of women that while they may not be vocally loud about this, yeah. they are scared and they don't want this. Yeah. And I am just hoping that that find those women and these women will come out and vote. Yeah. Hey, you don't have to tell your Trump loving husband who you're voting there for. You go. Remember that. You walk in I saw I heard the same thing in DC. NBC interviewed some some people, yeah, some voters, and they said they're scared to to you know for their MAGA you know friends or family to find out they don't support Trump anymore, you know. So yeah, they you they've got to because it's so it's they're it's bullying now, Mm -hmm. right? And you feel like you're intimidated, and when I mean it gets really ugly. Look, we're seeing it with the threats. I mean, those poor women. I mean, all of these people watch this, and they're like, "I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm scared." I'm intimidated by this. I don't want any part of it. I want to go back to the good old days where Republicans and Democrats yeah. could hang out, have a beer, argue in the room. Yeah. I look forward to that. We'll be like, in the same internment yeah. camp together, and that is going to be fantastic. <laughs> come fully into the light with us, Olivia. Yes, join come us. Join, join us. us. Oh, it's so much fun over here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, thanks so much for taking time. I appreciate it so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Bye. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, see, there is a God and he wants us to have nice things. Good morning, Barb McQuaid. (laughs) Good morning, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Let me say with more gusto than usual, Wolverines this morning because I... I always appreciate that greeting. (laughs) We have, I I know, bombshell fatigue from these legal... We were saying you're on TV, all of you and your legal ladies and lads, like 24-7 because I know it's a five-alarm fire and you're like America's firefighters. I don't know what to say. This latest... Oh, what the heck is that? All right, that's probably another five-alarm fire. Okay. But Barb, talk to us about this latest bombshell out of Michigan. I mean, it's... Oh, Lordy, we have more tapes, right? It's on tape. Yes. And, you know, this was really previously unknown, a a, a phone call that occurred at the time um, of the 2020 election when, you know, Michigan was one of those swing states where fraud was alleged at the TCF center where votes were being counted with, you know, absolutely no evidence of fraud whatsoever. And now there's a recording of Donald Trump on the phone with the canvassers from Wayne County, which is the county where Detroit is located, pressuring them 
to rescind their certification. They they had um, already said they would certify, wanted them to rescind their certification, and on the phone saying, do it, and also on the phone call with Trump and these two canvassers is Ronna Romney McDaniel from Michigan, and at the time, the chair of the Republican National Committee. So really a bombshell, you know, verbal testimony is one thing and can be valuable to prosecutors. But when you have it on tape, it becomes such powerful evidence. It's really hard to run from that. Barb, what a lot of lay people would wonder is why why is this only coming out now? Does Jack Smith already have this? Do you think? I, I don't know. And I don't know who the source of the recording is. You know, it is attributed to um, anonymous sources. But the Detroit News reporter said he listened to the recording. So it certainly exists. Yeah. I imagine it's somebody who was on the call, right? Um, I, I would think that if I were getting a call from Donald Trump, I might be inclined to record it just because yeah. uh, who knows what he might say in, you know, in Michigan, as long as one party um, consents to the recording. So yourself, uh, it's legal to record a, a phone call without even notifying the other person. So uh, it would be legal to record a phone call. So my hunch is that it's one of the two canvassers who's on the call, probably worried about, oh, man, what's going to happen here? So it suggests to me that they're probably cooperated. Yeah. There's some talk about, you know, should they be charged with a crime or something for participating in this? Um, my, my guess is they're cooperating. They either shared it with the Attorney General Dana Nessel of the state of Michigan, who's been investigating the fake electors, yeah. or shared it with Jack Smith, who, you know, I, I know sometimes people are frustrated with the, the, the pace of investigations, but this is a good example of sort of the unknown people you have to talk to mm -hmm. to gather all the evidence, both incriminating and exonerating, you know, to find out is there more to the story here? So this is when you turn over every stone, you find out all of these little details. So I don't know why it became public at this moment. Yeah. I mean, somebody leaked it to the press. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's because it gets turned over to defendants in discovery. Um, so I don't know why it's become public now. Yeah. But my guess is it's somebody who's on the call who recorded it knowing that, Someday I might want to share this with the world because some, yeah. some, something that Trump does. You, yeah, you wonder in, how many, in the state, how many more states might this, we've, yes. you know, right. we don't know who, how many people recorded things and how many states. We know Georgia now, we know Michigan. Um, it's interesting, that part of the reporting, uh, Barb, tends to uh, go to what you just said. The canvassers left the meeting without signing, you, you know, the, the statement, which is what McDaniel and... Uh, um, uh, Trump requested the following day they unsuccessfully attempted to rescind their votes in favor of certification, filing legal affidavits claiming they were pressured. Well, yeah. that would kind of go to your point that they're probably cooperating because they're they would be in trouble, right? Yeah, I, I think so. They filed affidavits that appear to be false, and so um, they face potential, you know, criminal exposure for um, submitting a false statement, possibly, you know, violation of duties of office. And so that's the kind of leverage that prosecutors will often use to say, you know, either we won't charge you at all, or if we charge you, we will seek leniency. Um, you know, like sort of what we're seeing in Georgia, where some of the defendants have entered guilty pleas in exchange for a sentence of probation, but they have to cooperate. So um, when you have some criminal exposure like yeah. that, it often so, um, provides a clarity of the mind. Yeah. So. This could go to So let's talk about, I just played Judge Ludwig. So let's talk about the, the Colorado decision because, you know, this goes to the argument some people are making <laughs> that he needs to be convicted of Not necessarily convicted, but, but, the, I, but I've heard that there's an argument that, that the proper due process wasn't given. But, but Barb, wasn't it? Didn't they? Ludwig said it was. 
That, yes. A lot of so says it was, think, that that's what they determined, that an insurrection had occurred. There was, you know, Trump was allowed to, he, he just didn't present any evidence. Right, Barb, in the Colorado? Just give us your take on the, on the Colorado decision. Yes. So I think this due, due process argument is either um, an ignorant one or a deliberately misleading one. Um, this is not a criminal prosecution. Right. Um, if it were a criminal prosecution, his liberty would be at stake and he would have to have all the rights a criminal defendant gets, you know, uh, right to cross-examine yeah. witnesses and uh, due process and uh, all of those things. Instead, this there was a, a, a trial. There yeah. were witnesses who came forward and fact-finding was done, and that is the process that is due. A judge has to make a finding that Trump engaged in insurrection, um, and he did that. Uh, I'm sorry, she did that at this trial where um, witnesses testified from police officers who were there that day, to uh, Congress members who were there that day, um, the text messages, the, the the tweets, I'm sorry, that Donald Trump posted about Mike Pence that uh, poured fuel on the fire. And so the judge made a finding that there was an insurrection. And then that's what the court upheld on appeal. And so I think that's a silly argument. I think there are genuine legal arguments here. You know, this is a relatively untested provision of the Constitution. I think, um, you know, whether whether what he did is sufficient to count as engaging in insurrection is a fair question. I think whether the provision is self-executing or requires some other enabling legislation by Congress is a fair question. Um, but the due process argument, I think, is not a fair argument. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Isn't it? I, I, I what am I? What do I know? I'm a dummy. But isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? You know, sort of not analogous, but I mean, you know, the judge obviously in the E. Jean Carroll matter. Um, you know, said this is for all intents and purpose, this is rape, you know, so I mean, that, that's yeah. all I'm saying is he was adjudicated to be a rapist. And I think this yeah. th it, there was a, a, a proceeding here and he was adjudicated to be an insurrectionist in this. Yeah. And what I think is really important is to think whether it's a civil matter or a criminal matter. In a criminal matter, you get all kinds of extra due process because your liberty is at stake. You might go to prison. That's not what's at stake here. This is a yeah. civil matter. And so, yes, there must be findings in court. Um, and those happened uh, in in the way they're supposed to happen in a civil case. And so that's why I think that argument is not particularly persuasive. You retweeted uh, your friend Joyce Vance, who uh, of the um, very obviously athletically uh, inferior. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they're just Alabama. Alabama they're Alabama. just Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go blue. What, you got a Tide? You got a Tide member there? <laughs> no, not no, at no, all. No, no, no. no oh, just, just Joyce Vance. That's we're, all. We're all Wolverine this yeah. morning. We're 100% oh, Wolverine. You. Go blue, Wolverines. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, but she tweeted a judge is being asked to disqualify Georgia Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones from holding office because of Jones' participation as an elector for Donald Trump in 2020. And you just said the ripples from the Colorado decision to uh, uh, DQ Trump will soon be a tidal waves unless SCOTUS takes up this case quickly. I mean, they're going to have to take it up quickly, aren't they? Isn't January, what is it, 4th, 5th is the the ballot in Colorado? Yes, I think so. Um, because if this stands, um, we're going to see other states try to get Trump off the ballot. And not just Trump, right? Anybody yeah. else who participated. As they uh, should. State, state officials, members of Congress, all, all of them. So, um I do think the court will take the case, and I do think they'll take it quickly. The um, the court did stay the execution of its decision until January 4th, and the reason for that date is because January 5th is the date by which the Secretary of State in Colorado must certify the ballot for the primary, 
Um, and Colorado is a Super Tuesday state. That's March 5th. So, you know, two months to kind of get the ballot together. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, it's possible that the Supreme Court could extend the time a little bit. The U.S. Supreme Court will say, yeah. yes, we're going to take this case and we're going to stay the Colorado order a little bit longer. But they can't do it too much longer if they want to uh, include Trump on the primary ballot there. So um, I could see, you know, maybe giving a few weeks in January to get brief submitted and oral argument heard and a decision made, yeah. but I think it's got to happen within the month of mm-hmm. January. If you were a betting woman, say, betting against, uh, say, Alabama, would you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you, I mean, because I, nobody knows the makeup of this Supreme Court. What do you think, what would you say? Yeah, you no, that's a really good point. I, I think a few things are at play here. One is I hear people saying, well, they're all in the bag for Trump, so of course they're going to rule in his favor. I don't think that's right. I think that they are a a very conservative majority court. They have a very conservative worldview. And so when it comes to questions like abortion and other things, this majority takes a very conservative view of, of uh, legal issues. But I don't think they're MAGA. I don't think they're pro-Trumpers per se. In fact, if anything, they might want to distance themselves yeah. from Donald Trump. So I don't think that we should assume that. I think they will look at the Constitution. I am one, one thing I'm thinking about is, you know, courts aren't really supposed to do this. They're supposed to decide questions based purely on the law But I've been reading an awful lot lately about Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who was much more of a pragmatist. Mm -hmm. She had been a politician, and she was of the view that the court should not get too far ahead of popular vote and the mood of the country. And so I wonder if they would be concerned that removing Trump from the ballot would be so uh, incredibly divisive and consequential that that might tend to put a thumb on the scale. But legally, I think it's a really close question. I think... You know, you look at it. Did he engage in insurrection? See, kind of seems like it. Is he an officer of the United States? Sure, certainly seems like it to me. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, people who uh, ratified the 14th Amendment wanted to keep those treasonous traitors out of positions of power who had participated in the Civil War as Confederates. And uh, Trump seems certainly just as disloyal as they were. So if you look at it on space, like there's some pretty good legal arguments here. So yeah. I really don't know, but I think those are all factors to think about. Would have been nice if Sandra Day O'Connor, if she was a big fan of the popular vote, would have allowed it to you know, continue to be counted because uh, Al Gore yes, likely won the popular true. vote. But I don't, it's not that I hold a grudge yeah, no. forever. Uh. Um, <laughs> Barb, uh, Katie Fang tweeted uh, Trump in an attempt to avoid going to trial against uh, Gigi and Carroll in just a few weeks, moves for an emergency stay, claiming the issue of presidential immunity <laughs> warrants the stay as he pursues going to SCOTUS. And you just said, how do his lawyers keep a straight face? Oh, I mean, it, it, right it now, now, of course, he's like, oh, no, 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 slow down, Supreme Court, don't. I mean, right. clearly, this is his only legal tactic is delay, right? And hoping yeah, he gets it, back it really in. is. And even the E. Jean Carroll case, I mean, come on, you know, like, well, I'm so busy in these other courts, which I'm at, where I'm asking for delay, you know, until after the election, that I can't possibly have this E. Jean Carroll trial in January. Uh, it, it really is just absurd. It's ridiculous. He has different teams of lawyers. There are plenty of lawyers to go around to handle all these cases. Um, and the one that I find it particularly rich is the request that the Supreme Court not handle the immunity question, right. which is his own motion. He filed that right. motion and said, you should dismiss this case because I'm immune. Well, if you really believe you're immune, well, let's go already and make yeah. that decision. So the idea that that should be delayed is is really just hypocritical yeah. on its face. Yeah. Speaking of ridiculous lawyer, uh, Rudy Giuliani has filed for bankruptcy in the least <laughs> yeah. shocking story of the morning. Um, that's not going to get him out of this, though, is it? As everybody, I think, is saying, you, you know, I, I, I mean, it's obviously unsurprising that he did it, but... Uh, because the judge ruled that he must start paying as soon as possible. Tell us what happens now. 
Yeah, so, you know, he was uh, assessed a $148 million judgment. And one thing that his lawyer, the lawyers for Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman did that was really savvy is when they got the judgment, they received language in that judgment that when Rudy Giuliani um, defamed them, he did so willfully, intentionally, and maliciously. And that language is important because that language makes it undischargeable in bankruptcy. There's a certain provision that uses that exact same language that for intentional torts that are intentional, willful, and malicious, they're not dischargeable in bankruptcy. You can't just write it off. So he may, you know, discharge his other debts, you know, that he owes to creditors and yeah. whoever else, lenders and others, but this debt will follow him for the rest of his life. And so they, um, now that they have that judgment in hand, they can use it to attach his bank accounts, um, his real estate, and any wages that come into him. So if he gets earnings from a podcast appearance or somebody yeah. joked on Twitter, you know, uh, royalties from the Borat movie, whatever it is, <laughs> those will go to them as opposed to Giuliani. Now, they may never get the $148 million, yeah. but they can't get every penny that he earns. By the way, speaking of E. Jean Carroll and dumb legal strategies, you're hearing that, right? That Trump bragging about his wealth in the one case might mm -hmm. yes. screw him over in yeah, the E. Jean right. Carroll case because, you know, they wanted, I mean, there's, he's 91, right? Indictments, so of course, he's brought yeah. to like... Exactly, I mean, right? Yeah. In, in uh, this New York civil case, it's all about how uh, valuable his assets are, right? And then in other places, um, yeah. you know, I, I I'm, I'm broke. Well, you know, which is it? Let's you know, don't don't you think they read the the uh, yeah. for the pleadings in various cases? Yeah, exactly. Barb McQuaid, one of America's uh, firefighters yes, in this she is. in this fascism fire. Yeah. I, I you know what? I pictured that you all live together in like a firehouse, like, and you're like, Glenn Kirshner, <laughs> get down the pole. I've got a Stephanie Rule head. Hurry yeah. up. <laughs> That's a, a fun idea. <laughs> Thanks for stepping in for Thank us uh, this so morning. We appreciate it. And Merry Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa to you. We will see you next <laughs> yeah, year. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. All there right. she goes. Bye. Legal rock star. Yep. I think they do. They all bunk together. They have to. There's they no way to. they're all available to be on TV 24-7. Right. And right. they're all on TV 24-7. just like, guys, get yeah. down here. They and don't they slide sleep. down a pole yeah. like, like Batman or like Firefly.